1: On this day in 1920, a wagon full of dynamite and iron weights exploded outside the J.P. Morgan & Company bank building in New York City. The attack, dubbed the Wall Street Bombing, killed 38 people. Although government officials spent years searching for the perpetrators, the Wall Street Bombing remains unsolved to this day. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Every day we flip back the calendar to this date years ago and recount one event from true crime history. Today we're going back to September 16th, 1920, when unknown attackers exploded a wagon on Wall Street during the height of the lunchtime rush. Before we unpack the ramifications of the Wall Street bombing, let's go back to September 16, 1920, a few seconds before noon. Joseph P. Kennedy stepped out of the office building onto the bustle of Wall Street and paused to take in the scene. The gloomy, overcast skies hadn't done anything to keep the public away. Some might find the frenetic press of people claustrophobic as the lunch hour approached. But Kennedy wasn't easily intimidated. He was accustomed to crowds. He was an accomplished stockbroker after all, but there was nothing quite like Wall Street at midday. As the nearby clock tower struck its 12th tone, important bankers in suits poured from the buildings. Women, most likely secretaries, walked in groups of twos and threes, expertly navigating the throng. The street was so busy, Kennedy made little note of the wagon as it pulled up to 23 Wall Street, where the headquarters for J.P. Morgan & Company towered. He focused instead on pushing his way through the swelling crowd, making his way toward a favorite restaurant. Meanwhile, the wagon driver leapt from his vehicle, leaving his poor horse and wagon unattended. Rudely, the driver cut through the crowd, shoving and elbowing passers-by out of his way. Now, he was impossible to ignore. Kennedy groaned in frustration. Some people really had no sense of etiquette. Seconds later, it was all too painfully clear why the wagon driver was in such a hurry to escape. With a deafening roar, his wagon exploded. Pieces of something hard, dark, and dense rocketed through the packed crowd. Luckily, Kennedy was far enough from the explosion that he wasn't killed instantly, but the force of the blast still lifted him off his feet and sent him flying through the air. It all happened so quickly, Kennedy didn't even have time to realize he was scared before he slammed against the concrete, sore but still conscious. He was a bit dazed, but had the presence of mind to try to get up. It wouldn't do to be trampled in the panic that followed. Painfully, Kennedy rose to his feet. He was covered in a layer of dust and dirt, but he didn't seem to be bleeding. He took a deep breath and didn't feel any sharp pains either. Only then did Kennedy realize he'd landed several feet away from where he'd been standing at the moment of the blast. The sound of the explosion was so loud, the residual ringing in Kennedy's ears drowned out the panicked cries around him. Relying only on sight, he took in a scene that belonged on a battlefield more than in the center of a financial district. Several men lay mangled on the streets. The nearest building's windows had shattered, leaving broken glass scattered inside and outside. Bits of the horse, ripped apart in the explosion, littered the streets. Shrapnel was spread about. He could even see divots in the J.P. Morgan building, which had taken the brunt of the explosion. The people who'd been far enough from the blast to stay on their feet ran to assist those who were injured. A man stood in the midst of the fray, staring into the middle distance. Kennedy couldn't see any physical injuries on the man, but the expression on his face suggested he was miles away. Kennedy scanned the crowd to identify the next person who needed assistance. He'd never thought of himself as much of a hero, but he was inspired by the bravery of those already rushing through the scene. As he sprinted past the J.P. Morgan building, Kennedy peered inside through the gaping holes that had once been glass windows, all he could see was a haze of dust and smoke. He hoped he wasn't too late for those inside. Coming up, we'll discuss the aftermath of the Wall Street bombing and the government's investigation into the perpetrators.
0: This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg.
1: At noon on Thursday, September 16, 1920, a horse-drawn wagon loaded with dynamite, nearly a quarter-ton of iron weights, and a detonator parked in front of the New York headquarters of the nation's largest bank, J.P. Morgan. Witnesses spotted the driver leaping out of the wagon and then rushing away from it seconds before the dynamite exploded at 12.01pm, ripping apart the vehicle, the horse, and the passing lunch crowd. The homemade bomb killed 30 people immediately and fatally injured eight more. The iron weights tore through the streets and nearby buildings, amplifying the damage. Bystanders felt the shockwave throughout the neighborhood, and two blocks away, a trolley was thrown from its tracks. The salvo rocketed debris 34 stories into the air. The J.P. Morgan building, most likely the real target of the attack, took the brunt of the blast. Its windows shattered, raining deadly shards of glass on the pedestrians below. The executive offices were on the building's top floors, shielding the most high-ranking employees from the worst of the explosion. Several ground floor bankers and clerks were injured or killed. For 75 years, the Wall Street bombing remained the deadliest domestic terrorist attack in U.S. history. In the days and weeks following, the Bureau of Investigation, a precursor to the FBI, gathered evidence about the bombing. Several promising leads presented themselves. First, a whistleblower brought the B.I.'s attention to a series of flyers issued by a group called the American Anarchist Fighters. The flyers were distributed throughout the financial district the morning before the explosion and read, "Remember." We will not tolerate any longer. Free the political prisoners or it will be sure death for all of you. But after three years of fervent investigation, the B.I. was never able to find any further information on the American anarchist fighters, nor identify a single member. In fact, the B.I. couldn't even conclusively prove that the American anarchist fighters had anything to do with the bombing. Another lead appeared in professional tennis player Edward Fisher. He warned several acquaintances that Wall Street would be attacked in the days prior to the bombing. But later questioning revealed that Fisher was mentally unbalanced and made constant predictions of doom and devastation, none of which had come true except for his so-called prophecy regarding the bombing. He was ruled out as a suspect and later committed to a psychiatric institution. The B.I. suspected the bombing was ideological in nature, especially given its target. The Wall Street bombing occurred during the lead-up to the Red Scare, a period of history in which the USA's predominantly pro-capitalist leaders felt threatened by the spread of communism through Europe, Asia, and South America. In the wake of the bombing, several BI investigations were launched into unions and communist groups. Once again, they failed to produce any legitimate leads, and the case was closed with no arrests. In 1944, 24 years after the attack, the FBI reopened the cold case and concluded that Italian anarchists were the most likely culprits, although once more, they failed to identify a specific perpetrator and never charged anyone. As for Joseph P. Kennedy, he survived the blast without injury. On the day of the attack, his son, John, was three years old. Joseph Kennedy's wealth, which he accumulated during his stock trading career, helped his son make the connections he needed for a successful political career. In 1961, John F. Kennedy was sworn in as President of the United States. He served until November 22, 1963, when an assassin fatally shot him in Dallas, Texas. JFK's life was bookended by violence and death. He was just one of the hundreds of people who were changed by the Wall Street bombing and its aftermath. While it's impossible to know what the unidentified perpetrators wanted to achieve, we can say with certainty that they made their mark on the world. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the ParCast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Carrie Murphy, and production assistance by Ron Shapiro and Paul Liebeskind. Additional production assistance by Maggie Admire and Travis Clark. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Angela Jorgensen. I'm Vanessa Richardson.